0: Hello and welcome to the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine and BBC History Revealed. I'm Ellie Cawthorne. 2022 is the History Extra podcast's 15th birthday. So, to mark 15 years of fascinating historical conversations, we've asked 15 historians to nominate a figure from history who they think deserves their 15 minutes of fame. Some are inspiring people who deserve more airtime today. Others are those whose significance in history has been overlooked. And some simply led fascinating and unexpected lives. In today's episode, Hannah Cusworth nominates Ina forbes Bonetta. Ina was a Yoruba girl from West Africa who was transported to Britain and ended up as a goddaughter of Queen Victoria, when she also became known as Sarah. Hannah tells Eleanor Evans what her story reveals about the connections between West Africa and Britain in the Victorian era.
3: Hannah, it's a real pleasure to be talking to you for our 15 Minutes of Fame podcast series. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be speaking with you. And could you could we start by telling us about your choice? Who is Ina Forbes Bonetta?
4: So Ina Forbes Bonetta, she's often described as a Yoruba princess, and people might actually be more um, aware of her as Sarah Forbes Bonetta. Um, and she was... Because she kind of enters into the the British historical record in about eighteen fifty um, when there's this this guy called Frederick Forbes, who is a kind of really well respected um like naval leader uh in the West african squadron, and people might be aware of the West African squadron they were kind of um around to when the British had abolished slavery, um, to intercept uh, ships of enslaved people that were that were leaving from West Africa, and the British would in, would intercept and and take those people and then and um and then send them back to, to West Africa, and and Frederick Forbes he was he was there um, to try and encourage this this King King um, Gezo is often um, how he's uh, described to to stop being involved in the transatlantic slave trade. And when Frederick Forbes goes to meet King Gezo, he uh, gives Frederick Forbes this little girl um, and says, "You can you can take this girl. Um, her her par- you know, her parents had, had been killed, um, and you can give her to Queen Victoria as a, as a present from me." Um, and so that's how she enters into into the historical record. And Frederick Forbes uh is is quite surprised. Um, but he takes her back to England on his ship, which is called Bonetta, hence why she gets called um Forbes Bonetta. Um, and she arrives back in England, um, and Queen Victoria kind of agrees to adopt her effectively, kind of almost become like the godmother um of this of this child. So that's how um we kind of get a sense of her in in the english um source record
3: and i'm perhaps skipping us ahead a bit here but how much is known is there anything known about how Ina felt about uh, this this time this period in her life when she was sort of taken
4: no, we don't know. I think we can m- maybe make uh, assumptions that it would have been an incredibly traumatic time. I think maybe there is a-, a brief record where she's reported of kind of saying that she knows that her parents were, were killed, but she doesn't know the whereabouts or what happened to her brothers or sisters. Um, she's brought over to to England, which would have been um, in many ways quite like a-, a strange place, you know, and there is an orphan and, and then kind of thrust into this meeting and, and kind of... A- relationship with with the Queen of England, who I think she met, you know, Queen Victoria was was pretty famous around the world, kind of known as like the Great White Queen. So I wouldn't be surprised if she kind of maybe had heard of Queen Victoria in some senses, but um, it must have been a really kind of scary and frightening time for her.
3: Certainly. And before we go much further into her, her story then, what brought you to Ina's story? What brought me to her story was I was on a train back from Brighton,
4: which is where I grew up, and I was reading a copy of David Olajoga's Black and British. And I came across her story in in that book. And it was, for me, it was a really important moment because um, I know when she was a bit older, she spent a period of time living in Brighton. And the address that she lived was just around the corner from where I went to school in Brighton. And I think that sort of feeling of, of connection... It, i found it really emotional i cried because i think i felt like when i was growing up in in brighton that that to be black in brighton like was a very new thing and to understand that there was um i mean obviously there's lots of differences between us right like she was a yoruba princess um but To know that the black presence in Brighton wasn't just a 20th century thing, that it was something that went back to the Victorian period. For some reason, that just really hit me. Um, And that's how I came to her story. Um, And I've kind of been fascinated by her life ever
3: since. So she's been thrust into this world of Queen Victoria's court. Clearly uh, an immense amount of upheaval for her. What happens next? What else can you tell us about her life?
4: So she was described... um, i think both by queen victoria and by this guy frederick forbes as being incredibly bright um and and intelligent and so there was also but there was also this kind of victorian idea kind of a, a racial idea really about how um that for sort of black people people of... um Africans in they wouldn't they wouldn't do well in Britain because of the weather because the climate wasn't suited to them so it was felt like the best thing for I know was that she was uh, to go back to West Africa and so she went to a to a school that had been established there in Freetown in Sierra Leone um, it was kind of a, a missionary kind of grammar school and she was educated there for a while um, but the sense that we get from the source record is that she was pretty unhappy and so she came back to to England and was looked after uh, she lived in Gillingham actually in Kent um and was looked after by a family that kind of had missionary connections um and by all accounts those are really really happy times in her in her life um but she she then is uh, moved to Brighton um under the care of her, I think her name was Miss Welch and she was there to kind of be introduced to British society she was about um sort of late teens at, at this point um and so she's in Brighton and there is a uh, An arrangement for her to be married to uh, to a West African kind of businessman, James Davies, who also has a really fascinating life story. And they're married in Brighton, and there's huge press interest, uh, and there's a huge number of like press reports about this this marriage. There apparently there're ten horse drawn carriages, and by some reports, there's like thousands of people come out to cheer for the couple, Um, and some really interesting like press reports about how there were kind of sixteen bridesmaids, and and there were sort of like black bridesmaids and paired with white kind of groomsmen and and vice versa. And there was a lot of interest in kind of how the how the the black wedding guests were kind of conducting themselves and lots of like praise for, um, for them in quite like racial tones. But I think there was a real kind of interest in in this marriage as an example of kind of um, black people flourishing in Britain and how Britain was like a very liberal place to be to kind of have this marriage and to have this marriage celebrated so publicly.
3: Can we get a sense then of Ina's um, perspective in this story? You know, how is she feeling about this marriage, or potentially how it's being projected elsewhere?
4: Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, very sadly, I think I think there's a letter that she wrote around about the time where she she really strongly objects to the marriage. Like she doesn't want to marry this guy, um, and that's pretty. Uh, in some ways, it's pretty heartbreaking um, because she's already gone through this this kind of Tragic kind of a start in life, um, and we get the sense that yeah, this isn't what this isn't what she would have necessarily chosen for herself. I think one thing that is that is also really interesting is that on the marriage record, she records herself as Ina rather than Sarah or um, Sally, which was another name that was that was given to her. So I think historians, I think it's David Olashogos, kind of interpreted that as her kind of asserting herself um, and her identity um, within the confines of of this marriage and the kind of pressures of Victorian society.
0: Still to come on the History Extra podcast.
4: I also think it shows us that the history of of kind of um, black people after slavery um, is much more maybe complex than, than we think and is and that those connections between uh, West Africa and Britain were actually really significant.
2: We don't always realise just how much our negative thoughts and experiences stick with us and weigh us down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings, that frustrating thing your mum does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest
1: And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: You mentioned Sarah and Sally there. Where do those names come from? Who creates those I think Sally is the name that she was
4: given when she was on the ship. So as she was coming from West Africa over to Britain, I think the kind of crew of the ship describe her or kind of give her that name, um, Sally. And then Sarah is the name that she's, um, I think, given by Captain Forbes.
3: So clearly she's, she's able to assert herself and her identity in certain ways, but it's a society that obviously must be full of, of, you know, difficulty and trauma for her. What, what, is the broad story then of Ina's life the situation
4: after she gets married um, is that they have their photos taken by the sort of celebrity photographer of the day, and those photos survive. Um, and so people can, can take a look at them um, online of the of the sort of newlyweds. They then move to back to West Africa, to Sierra Leone, and then on to Lagos, um, which at this point is an a kind of increasingly growing and flourishing kind of centre of trade. Like it was described at the time as the as the sort of Liverpool of West Africa, um, due to its connections with the palm oil trade and and um but she they have children so they have a number of children together the first one born after their marriage named victoria after queen victoria um and the, the daughter is is christened and becomes a goddaughter of Queen Victoria, um, but sadly, Aina's um, health deteriorates. She contracts tuberculosis um, and then moves to Madeira, which is thought to be kind of maybe better for her health and and, and the air there. Um, but sadly, she she dies in in August eighteen eighty um, at the age of about thirty seven.
3: What particularly can Ina's life then tell us more broadly, if it can, about this vast movement of people in force, coerced or otherwise during the Victorian era?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing that really struck me about, about Ina's story, but actually perhaps the story of her husband, James Davis, was that there was a huge amount of movement um, that that wasn't necessarily coerced, that there were these... these um, they're called Sauros, so sort of Sierra Leonean merchants. Often either recaptured um, enslaved people themselves, or they were the children of former slaves, um, and that they set themselves up as businessmen in Sierra Leone and then in in Lagos, uh, Nigeria. And they were moving between Britain. They had business interests moving between Britain and West Africa, and I think it's kind of important that we understand and acknowledge these stories as well as the stories of forced migration. Um, because I think it's imp- important, f- especially for children, um, to know that black people didn't only exist in the past as slaves, um, that they were also business people, they were traders, they were merchants, um, and that they they had children. For example, um, Ina and James's child uh, was educated at Cheltenham Ladies College, for a while which I think would be I felt really surprised by that you know that there are there are kind of black children being educated in Britain's kind of top uh, private schools in the Victorian era Um, and so I think it kind of her story um, and the family's story really kind of um, yeah makes our kind of understanding of of this period a bit more complex and a bit more nuanced
3: and why do you think that her story isn't as well known or, or is it today I think it's becoming a lot better known it was it was obviously
4: she was obviously quite well known about at the time in the Victorian era um and you see that through the, the kind of press uh records about her there's then an article written by an academic um from UCL Caroline Bressy um and she talks about how it's really important for this story to be better known about and I think that has started to happen and in fact there's actually a film I think that's in production um with um Cynthia Arrivo, who you might have seen on Strictly as one of the guest judges and she been um on the west end um and so i hope that that film will kind of bring aina's story to a huge kind of level of public awareness Um, and so i think that it's a she's kind of becoming a lot better known um as time goes on i think maybe as we have more interest in in recovering some of these stories these black british histories
3: absolutely you can imagine that bringing here to an even wider audience that's wonderful and and we'll we'll sort of finish up then with with the the potted question why then does aina deserve her 15 minutes of fame
4: I feel as though because I think it's a personal thing for me, right, in the sense of learning about her story and how there's this Victorian black presence um, for me was really kind of like important moment to understand that uh, while sometimes black people in Britain is kind of presented as only existing since the Windrush in 48, actually, it's a much larger and longer story. I also think Ina's story is a story of of a West African person in Britain when quite often when we think about black history, we're thinking about people from the Caribbean. But increasingly in in Britain, people, black people are of West African heritage. And I think it's really important that some of those stories um, are much better known about. I also think it shows us that the history of of kind of um, black people after slavery um, is much more maybe complex than than we think and is and that those connections between uh, West Africa and Britain were actually really significant during the Victorian era and kind of gives us an insight into what happened between um, the end of slavery and windrush, which I think is a period in sort of British history that actually we don't we don't really know very much about in pu- public consciousness or, or talk very much about um, and so I kind of hope that That Ina's story might inspire like sort of a young British historian of of kind of Nigerian heritage maybe to to go on and find out more about these stories and and to make them much better known in, in sort of British public life.
3: It's been fascinating hearing about Ina's story from you today, Hannah, and thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you very much.
0: That was Hannah Cusworth speaking to Eleanor Evans. Hannah's a PhD researcher with English heritage and she's also a history education consultant. If you're enjoying this series and would like early access to more episodes to hear more historians nominating people who deserve their 15 minutes of fame, go to historyextra.com forward slash 15 minutes. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Daniel Kramer Arden.